0: Let me pray. Father, your word is precious, and we thank you for it. Uh, Lord, please uh, open our hearts and our ears uh, to hear it. Thank you for this wonderful book of Colossians, and as we study it throughout Term 1, please Lord, uh, reveal your word to us and help us uh, to grow uh, deeply planted into great maturity as disciples of Jesus. Amen. So uh, I encourage you to grab a Bible if you don't have one in front of you. We're going to be in Colossians, so grab it now. Uh, If you didn't bring one, uh, look around. You'll probably find one around you somewhere. There's a a blue Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Colossians is in the New Testament, uh, and it's one of Paul's letters to a church, and as Teresa mentioned, it's on page 983. So the book of Colossians uh, was a letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Colossae. I wonder what you think you might find if you visited Colossae today. Anyone want to have a guess? The answer is the same as what you hear in the room. Nothing. There is nothing in Colossae. I wonder uh, what you might find, think you might find, if you visited Colossae just 10 years after Paul broke to them. It was devastation. It was a city, uh, if you visited, uh, it would have been completely devastated. The reason being uh, that Paul wrote to this church, but no one knew that less than 10 years later there'd be an earthquake that would hit Colossae uh, and it destroyed it completely. And it was decided that because of the size of the earthquake, uh, the leaders of the time, um, the Roman province of Asia, they decided that it was not worth rebuilding. So Colossae never existed again. That's really interesting, isn't it? The reason why I think that's interesting is because if you want to know about Colossians, where do you go? You've got to go to the Bible. It makes the book of Colossians a really important book. uh, And one of the most important reasons is uh, if you want to know what Colosse was like, we've got to study God's Word. And here we have it in front of us. This letter safely tucked away in our Bibles. Uh, But Colossians, you know, is more than this. Uh, It's an amazing letter, and the more you read it, the more uh, it's going to shape your worldview. The more you hear it, the stronger you'll understand the Gospel. Uh, It's going to cause us to be amazed at how close God is to us, and as we journey with Him, how good of God He is. Uh, Because the most important thing about Colossians is not just to know that it's the only glimpse of the world of Colossae. The most important thing to know is what Paul wrote to the Colossians about Uh, You actually get a little clue about this in the opening two verses of Colossians 1. So open your Bibles and have a look at uh, verses 1 and 2. I'll read this out. It begins, as I look for this little clue, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. I wonder if you can figure out what Colossians is about from those first two verses, I wonder if you saw that little glimpse, Uh, I'm going to give you a little spoiler, it's in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul wants to say from the beginning to the Colossians, it's not actually Colossae that you live in, you actually live in Christ. It's an important understanding even for us to listen to as well and Now, look, I'm I'm not encouraging you to go to work tomorrow uh, and tell your boss you realised, oh, guess what? I don't live in Clyde. I don't live in Clyde North. I live in Christ. Uh, That would be a a weird conversation. Uh, But rather, see what Paul sees from the outset and what he's encouraging from the Colossians. In Paul's mind, you don't live where you live. You live in Christ. You aren't from Christ. You're not around Christ. You don't live under Christ or with Christ, you live in Him. It's actually a crucially important point for us to flesh out a bit at the beginning of our thing, at the beginning of our sermon series, because it's going to come up a lot. When you become a Christian, it's important for us to understand that Jesus doesn't just stand at a distance waving and say, welcome to the family. Right? Because that would be uh, not being in Christ. When you become a Christian, you're in him. What does that mean? It means Jesus is right there and embracing you into himself. He's not distant. He is closer than ever. Uh, And this idea of being in him and walking in him is is so important in this letter. I'm going to show you uh, where it comes up before we even begin. So the theme of being in Christ and walking in Christ is the whole reason That Paul writes to the church in Colossians, the church in Colossae. We just saw it in verse 2. Flip over to chapter 2. Have a look at verse 6 and 7. So, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, tell me what it says. Walk in Him. Verse 7 rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Abounding in Thanksgiving. Paul wants us to know that we're constantly getting our life from Jesus. We're being built up in Jesus and established in the faith in Jesus. Have a look at Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you've been filled in him. You get the point, Daniel, who is the head of all rule and authority. Let me ask you a question from that, from Colossians 2, 9. Have a look at it. Where does the whole fullness of deity dwell bodily? What's the answer? It's in Him. How about from verse 10? Where have you been filled? It's in Him. So I want us to hear this. It's crucially important for us to know as a Christian. If God is in Christ... And the whole fullness of deity dwells in him. And if we are in Christ, you couldn't be closer to God than you are right now. You couldn't be more closer to God than you are right now. There is no greater or deeper spirituality that you need to find. You've got it. If God is in Christ and you're in Christ, you couldn't be closer to God. You are perfectly connected to him. You are intimately connected with Him. And you are permanently connected with Him. Isn't that a comforting thought? Challenging for some of us, because we often feel about how we feel disconnected to God. But now, if God is in Christ and you're in Christ, you couldn't be closer. You couldn't be closer. Because being a Christian isn't a thought or an idea or a feeling. It's a fact. It is a real relationship. It's not that we're uh, a crazy cult that just follows this historical figure that just decided to do some weird things. Uh, it's not that we follow this this man who had some different views compared to society. Uh, it's not that we follow someone who was like us. Being a Christian is a real relationship where we are welcomed into Christ and embraced into Christ and we get our life from Him. This is a little bit of a... Uh, Somewhat gross and imperfect example, but I'm going to use it. I hope you enjoy it. Think about it this way: Does anyone here, just by show of hands, remember being in their mother's womb? <laughs> do you know there are people who claim to remember being in their mother's womb? I I, I can't fathom that. Being a Christian is like being a baby in a mother's womb, because what does a baby do in the womb? It lives inside its mother. It gets its life from the mother. And it grows inside of the mother. That's what it's like to live in Christ. I told you, a bit imperfect, a bit weird, but fitting. That's what it's like to be a Christian. You are in Christ. And and as we journey together, if we can remember that in every passage, Paul is pointing us to our relationship of being in Christ like that, we're going to get very well under our way to understanding Colossians. Walking in Christ is a key image of the book. So don't lose the idea of walking in Christ while we journey together in Colossians. So we're going to get into the first 14 verses in Colossians 1. We're going to see three things. So we're going to see, firstly, why Paul prays for this church. You're going to see that in verses 3 to 8. We're going to find out what he prays for in verses 9 to 12, and how it's possible to pray in the way that Paul prays in verses 13 to 14. So let's start... With why Paul is praying for this church. So let's look at verses three to eight. I'll read three to five. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Uh, Now, an important fact that we should know as we read through Colossians is that Paul never met this. He didn't know the Colossians. He knew Epaphras, but he hadn't met these Christians before. But that doesn't mean that they weren't dear to him. They really are The things he's heard from Epaphras uh, fill him with joy. And he starts in verse 3 by thanking God always when he prays for them. I wonder if that's challenging for you. It's challenging for me to think about. When when I start praying for someone, do I start by thanking God for them? Because Paul does. When I pray for someone, do I start by thanking God for them? And Paul thanks God for the Colossians for three reasons. He writes those, those reasons in verses three and five. Because of their faith, because of their love, because of their hope. When Paul looks for a healthy church, he always looks in these three areas. And when he hears of the Colossians, he, he sees all these things represented. He's hearing these things represented to him. Why do you think he looks for these things? Well, the answer is uh, faith, love, and hope are marks of a genuine spirituality in the church. So, what what is it um, that the questions hold to? Verse four says, "Faith in what? In Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Love for what? The saints. Love for Christians. Hope of what? Heaven." These three things are the mark of a healthy church. And why are these three things the mark of a healthy church? Uh he actually answers that as well. Look at the end of verse five. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What it means is that if, if the church the three marks of the church are faith, love, and hope, have heard the gospel. The gospel came to the Colossians as a word. Uh you know, it was something that was spoken to them. They heard uh of preaching and teaching the gospel. And in the gospel being given as a word it was listened to it was understood it was thought about it was responded to and it resulted in a church it resulted in a church god's power had been brought close to them because it was proclaimed proclaimed in the church that's what we're trying to do we're trying to proclaim for us and it was proclaimed truthfully absolutely and finally because if you've heard the gospel truly and properly The only response can be to to trust Jesus, to respond to him. I wonder how you go in your faith. Faith in Jesus. I wonder how you go in your love for other Christians. I wonder how you go in your uh, spirituality, in your hope of heaven. See, uh, I think if we're honest with ourselves, some of us like to focus more on others, and perhaps we like to tell other people, We're better in other areas. Uh, You know, some people focus on faith more than love and hope. As long as I have my faith, I'm okay. Others hope hope in love more than faith and hope. Now, I don't think Aussies are particularly good at hoping at all. uh, But I think that's not really our fault. I think that's more of a Western uh, idea. But uh, people who are being persecuted, persecuted and tortured. Uh, for their faith, they have no problem in hoping for heaven. Uh Christians don't endure hardship because of uh I want you to hear this. Christians don't endure hardship and they don't get through hardship by positive thinking. They don't endure they don't get through hardship because of wishful thinking. Because our hope isn't dependent on positivity or love. The core of hope is a promise that we'll be with Jesus again. And we can endure hardship if we believe that promise. Anyone can endure hardship if you believe that promise, that the gospel is the only thing that will get you through. So the big question, of course, is which, which one are you more strengthened in, faith, love, or hope? Because if you find yourself being in one of the categories more than the other, uh, we can do something about that, can't we? If you lack faith in Jesus, Come to him. Read more of his word. Spend time with him. If you lack love for Christians, guess what? You've got to spend more time with them. You've got to make time to journey with them. One of the most special things that you'll ever do in this world is journey with Christians. Because you'll learn how to journey with them through life, through joys, through sorrows, through hardships, through the best, through the worst. If you lack hope, just hear the gospel at one more time. Mm-hmm. Just listen to it one more time. Let what Jesus did on the cross in defeating sin and rising to new life and being risen as king, let that fill you with hope again that this world is not all there is. Let's have a look at verse six. The gospel came to the Colossians, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. I think this is an important uh, verse for us at Proclaim Anglican Church uh, because in many ways we're in a similar position to the Colossians. I mentioned just before that this is our second week of meeting. Uh, we are a new church and the gospel has come to us and we're bringing the gospel to Clyde and Clyde North. But if we know the gospel well, we need to know verse 6. It's not just for the Colossians it's for the whole world. It's not just for us. I've seen church planners rise and fall on this. We don't really want our church to grow. What? You don't want people to know Jesus? No, no, no. The main goal has to be that the gospel bears fruit in the whole world, not just in our world. It's God's great plan for the whole world that people are saved. And that humbles us to remember that the whole world is not our world. It's not proclaiming the church. Uh, the world is outside of us, and they need to hear the gospel too. And that's why we're aiming to be gospel-centered and word-focused community that's on mission, because the world needs to know the gospel. And that's why uh, Paul is praying this stuff the Colossians. He thanks God for their faith. Uh, he thanks God for their love and their hope. He thanks God that they've heard the gospels that, that they learned from Epaphras. Uh, and he prays that the church would remember that the gospel is not just for them, it's for the whole world. And that's the why prayer. So let's go to the next point. What does he pray then for the church? It's an important question for us to think about too. What do you pray for this church? What does Paul pay for the Colossian church? Let's see. In verse 9, Paul says that from the day they heard, they haven't ceased to pray for the Colossians. And so what's he praying uh, he prays asking, so he's asking for something. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what's he praying for? He's praying that people in the Colossian church would keep growing and maturing as Christians. What a wonderful thing to pray for. That's my prayer for us as a church. And in fact, I want to share with you that that's the prayer of our leadership team. So... Uh, We just had our first uh, church leadership team meeting this week. And I asked every person in the meeting, what's one prayer that you have for proclaim this year? Without even bringing up that I was going to put this in the sermon, uh, I just asked, what's your, what's your prayer for proclaim? And uh, I wanted to share with you a few of the responses. So what's one prayer you have for proclaim this year? Someone said, I'm praying This is a quote, okay? I'm praying that we grow in our maturity and faith in Christ as a church. Another person said, I'm praying that we remain confident in the sufficiency of the gospel, especially as the novelty of being a new church wears off. And someone else said, I'm praying that we'll be a church that makes mature disciples. I'm not sharing that with you to show off and say, hey, you know, look how great our leadership team is. We, we're just sinners. Okay. Uh, I just want to highlight that they're on key with what Paul wants to pray as well. And that's the heart of our church as well. What are we praying for Colossians? We're praying that as a church we would know Jesus. Deep, that we would know him. deeply, And that's what the proclaimed leaders are praying for you too. We're praying that for us. That we would know Jesus. Deep. What else is Paul praying for? That's one aspect. Let's get to verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what is added to the prayer of knowing Jesus deeply? It's working, uh, walking in worthy ways. Walking in a worthy ways of the Lord. Uh, walking in a way that's pleasing in our lifestyles. And what are the signs of this? How do you know you're doing it? Verse 10 and 11. It's bearing fruit. You'll see it. You'll see the fruit. You increase in the knowledge of God. You understand Jesus more deeply and you're strengthened with his power. And he keeps going in what he's praying for the Colossians. What's the result of God's power? Verse 11, endurance, patience, joyful thanks. So not only does God's power give you those things, endurance, patience and joy, but also verse 12, it ends in you giving thanks to God because he qualified you, to share in his kingdom. What a wonderful prayer to pray for, Christians. What a wonderful prayer to pray for this church. Essentially, Paul is asking that God will create mature Christians, disciples. Why does God ask for more mature disciples? Because that's the Great Commission. That's the Great Commission that Jesus gave to his followers. Uh, It's the main goal of the church. Remember the end of Matthew's Gospel? Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the goal. Jesus says, go and make disciples. The church exists to make disciples, to make mature Christians. Uh, We're we're making and supporting lifelong disciples. What a wonderful prayer to pray. What a wonderful prayer to pray. Do you pray it? Can I ask that you pray? Pray it for this church. The church is not this place. Let's Let's pray for mature disciples. That is proclaimed begins a church in this area, uh, an unchurched area, uh, an unchurched area where people don't know Jesus, that we make a priority that we would make mature disciples in this place. Finally, how is it possible that Paul can pray all these things? Verses 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the for forgiveness of sin. So how is it that Paul can pray the prayer that he prayed? How can he pray this way? He prays this way because he knows the deliverance that he's had in his life from death to life personally. God has delivered us from darkness and brought us into life, into the kingdom of his beloved son. I think Paul knows personally uh, that sin can have a lot of power. If sin is separation from God, it goes without saying that when we, sinful people, sin, we feel the separation. We feel it. And what is strong enough to break the power of sin? It's only forgiveness in Christ. It's only forgiveness found from God in Christ. Notice that that, uh, that word again in verse 14. In Him. In the Son. It's in Jesus. In Jesus you're forgiven. In Jesus you have redemption. In the Son, you're set free, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's not just from God, but it's in Jesus. You can't be in Christ and not share this forgiveness of sin. If you're in Christ, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness from sin in the Son means Jesus right there, like I said before, embracing you into Himself. Because as you mature as a disciple of Christ, you'll realise he's not distant even when you sin. You're still there with him, in him. He's never distant, he's closer than ever. Well, Colossae was a small town, but Paul wanted the Colossian church to know that they were not just in Colossae, they were in Christ. Because they heard the gospel from a Epaphras, they demonstrated faith, hope and love together, but they've still got growing to do. And the more you journey as a Christian, the more you understand that we've still got growing to do. We've still got growing to do. And that growing is lifelong. And I think the older you get, the more thankful you are that it's lifelong. So Paul's not ceasing from praying that they would be filled with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. He's praying that they would walk worthily in Christ. He's praying that they would bear fruit He's praying that they would increase their knowledge. He's praying that they strengthened the power for endurance to run the race with patience and joy. He's thankful that God has qualified them to share in his kingdom. And he's praying that, of course, they would know Jesus deeply and be mature disciples. Why does he pray this, this way? Because he knows that forgiveness of sin is only possible in Jesus. That in Christ, redemption is found. That's the why, what, and how of why we pray in this church. I think it'd be fitting, as we as we put pray in prayer, that we pray this for ourselves. let pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing letter of cautions. Help us to uh, sink into it deeply, and help us so that the more we hear it, the stronger we will understand the message of the gospel, and that it will cause us to be amazed. God's closeness as we journey. Lord Jesus, would we know that we're not just Clyde North or Clyde or the suburb that we live in? Help us to know that we're in Christ. That to be in Christ means Jesus is embracing us into Himself and that He's not distant, but He is closer than ever. Please help proclaim to be a church that demonstrates faith in Jesus, hope in heaven and love for each other. Father, we have a lot of growing today. Thank you for the lifelong journey it is to be a Christian. Please help us not to stop knowing Jesus more and more deeply. And may we grow further in our maturity. May we never forget that forgiveness of sin is possible because you delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved son. And it's in Jesus that we have redemption. It's the son. And who the sun sets free is free. We pray this all for our saints and for your glory. Amen. Amen.